We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Friday, August 25th. That means two things, Ryan. One, it's Friday, free-for-all mailbag. That's Ryan Roberts. He and I are ready to rock and roll on this. But number two, Ryan, the Friday free-for-all, obviously, is just the Friday part. But the August 25th part means we're one day away from kickoff. Of the 2023 Notre Dame season, the 13th ranked Fighting Irish of Notre Dame take on Navy. The 96th meeting between these two teams. Brian, we've broken it up. Ryan, we've broken it all down this week. Uh, Tons of different content. We had Gru Martini on this week. Ryan interviewed Gru Martini. That was an awesome interview. You haven't listened to it yet. Definitely check that out. We'll have another interview with Greer uh, posted tomorrow where Ryan just kind of talks about what's going on with him and his career and kind of where he's at right now. He's a linebacker coach at Charlotte. Uh, right now um so we'll have that this week we'll have the countdown to kickoff tomorrow morning we'll get po- posted at six o'clock in the morning the vince and sean are going to record that tonight we're going to have that and then of course ryan first post game show of the year so lots of fun stuff going on vince and i'll do our upon further review on saturday night man i'm just i'm so fired up for the season to be started but before we dive into that i did want to do something a little bit special and i've been i've been trying to figure out what day would be the best to do this and today i think is the best to do this and kind of before the mailbag and i wanted to kind of talk with you guys about something you know we get asked a lot ryan on this show about you know how we started and you know different things about the business and and you know you and i have talked a lot about this and you you kind of know what's going on is one of the big benefits of irish breakdown over the last couple of years has been our partnership with blue wire and you guys have heard us talk about that. And, you know, when Vince and I first started figuring out how are we going to do a podcast, you know, because I always want to do a podcast and I really, you know, what's the way we're going to do? It? We talked about subscriptions and all these different things. I had conversations with with Locked On and other podcast providers. And, you know, they all had this vision for this is how podcasts need to be. They need to be this, you know, 20 minutes long and this this here and it's got to be that and and, you know, I just said, look, I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it and the way that I believe in. And unfortunately, there are no platforms out there that 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 are going to allow us to do it. So we've got to kind of go independent. And about three years ago, I got a phone call and and I and, and I'm trying to remember who who it was. But uh, I, I remember I think it was Henry. 
I got this phone call and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm with blue wire and we want to talk about partnering with you. And I was like, okay, uh, whatever. It's going to be another waste of my time, but I'll meet with them. And it was one of the, it was something that completely changed the, the, the outlook for Irish breakdown as a business, you know, Dr- Driscoll publishing is a business, but Irish breakdown as an entity, Ryan was that partnership. And Blue Wire is still a new company. It was founded in 2018. A lot of stuff they've done has been, you know, raising private funds. Uh, they've been such a great partner for us. And, you know, just with the ability to sell advertising. But the thing I like about it is they are really into promoting the content creators. They're not into saying, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to do it this way, this way, this way. And you're, you need to talk about this, this, and this. They've said, look, there's always opportunities for them to help us if we have questions or ideas or if we want to connect with somebody. They've been a great partner in that regard. But they were the one company that said, hey, we believe in the content creators and you do your show the way that you want to do it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then we'll figure something else out. And it has been tremendous, Ryan. I mean, I kicked some of the numbers around to you yesterday about what we're doing on the podcast now. And it's been such a tremendous blessing. And so I had a meeting last week with Blue Wire, and we recently actually signed a two-year contract with Blue Wire. That's how that's how much I believe in them, is I was willing to partner side-by-side with them. I don't have to worry about keep getting calls from all these other people about taking our podcast somewhere else. But they're starting something really cool that I wanted to kick over to you all, because I really believe in Blue Wire and the direction it's going. And you, you look at Blue Wire, they're now up to 300 shows. They have a lot of former athletes on it. They have people like us on it that are te- more team provided. They have NFL coverage, NBA coverage. They have, you know, different, different, uh, you know, professional athletes on it. It's been a lot of fun being part of this network. But now they're opening it up to really the first time for some sort of investing. And I'm going to put something in the chat here uh, for all of you. If some of you are interested in it, it's sort of a, it's it's not so much a true investment. It's more of a crowdfund situation, but you can invest in the company and partner with the company if that's something that you're interested in. And so I put a link in the in the description box below and you can find it at wefunder.com slash blue wire. And this is an opportunity for you all to support blue wire and blue wire supports hours breakdown the, the having being part of Blue Wire is a big reason we've been able to grow the way that we've grown. And we're going to look to make new hires over the next six, seven months. And this partnership with Blue Wire is a big reason for that. And so, you know, they're continuing to grow. The, the financial conversation we had last week made me a lot more confident in the direction that they're going. But they're trying to now take their game to another level. And they're going to need some capital to do that. And I really like this idea uh, I've talked a lot of you about The Chosen. I've watched The Chosen a lot. That's sort of a crowdfunding thing. And what they're looking to do is to have people help them uh, that are more like us, more like you guys. And so I put that link in the description box below uh, at wefunder.com forward slash blue wire. If you guys believe in us and, and you believe in what we're able to do, a lot of the reason we're able to do it is because of our partnership with Blue Wire. And so if you're someone who's looking to invest, this is a place to do it. I, if you just look, if you knew the numbers, like I knew the numbers of how this company has grown, you guys would understand that this is a, this is a, something you want to be a part of. So I just wanted to get that out there to you guys. Uh, I believe everything that, um, you know, that I've ever said about Blue Wire is how I feel. They have been a tremendous partner. And as other people have tried to come at us and, hey, come over with us. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even really want to hear it. I love where I'm at. I respect you guys, but I love where I'm at. And Blue, Blue Wire has been such a great partner for Irish Breakdown. So I just wanted to get that out there to you guys and talk to you a little bit about that before we dive into this mailbag, Ryan, because, man, I'm excited about both of those things, right? 
Blue Wire, our partnership, being able to do this. But man, we're able to do this and talk about Irish Breakdown. And we're able to talk about Notre Dame and this big game coming up. And I know people are fired up. We had our predictions out today. We had a prediction show yesterday. We got a ton of great questions. But man, it's just the whole football season in general, Ryan. It's just, it's here, man. It just, you know what's funny? I was looking at something the other day and I was looking back at the Navy series. You know, Notre football games usually didn't start like back in the 20s and 30s till like October is when the season started. I don't know what I'd be able to do with myself if I had to go a whole nother month without football. It, it, would, it would, yeah, it would, it would be rough. It'd be rough. We cry, cry every single day. So, <laughs> fun times. <laughs> rough. So let's get down to it, man. Ryan, you ready to rock let's and roll it. here with some questions? Yes, sir. Ready to roll? All right. Let's do it. This is your boy. We're going to start off with your boy, Ryan. He does. He's living in the past with his little uh, avatar down there. It's just funny. At this right. moment, right now, what is your excitement level for tomorrow? One to ten, minus a fifteen. After watching the hype tape, Maybe how about you, Ryan? Cool, by the way, uh, I mean, so I'm more like a gentle into the into the excitement kind of thing. Like I, I didn't really start getting excited for like games when I played until the day of. Right, like that was kind of when things escalated a little bit. I feel like I'm easing right now. I would say I'm like a seven i mean it's still high right but like tomorrow morning i'll wake up it'll be a nine and then about middle of the day it'll be a 12 and then once two thirty kicks off it'll be like a 19 <laughs> on a scale mm-hmm. of one to ten right like it's yeah. gonna escalate quickly but i was never a guy that like i was never a person that was like multiple days beforehand like i can't sleep i can't you know I, i'm just like that dude i'm i'm the when I wake up, I have a panic the day of. Like, that's kind of how my excitement works generally. I, I'm i a 15. I'm with Tommy. I'm a 15. I'm, I'm always the guy. I was the opposite of you, Ryan, like, it, as, as yeah. far as in this job. Now, as a coach and as a player, it's, I mean, it's easier to do that when you're a coach because you're just focused on the task at hand. You know, hey, look, today's Thursday. We have our goals for Thursday. Today's Friday. We have our goals for Friday. But doing this job, man, the, the week leading up to the season has just always been just something. I start getting excited about it, and especially now because Notre Dame's kind of a bit of a primetime thing. You know, I mean, they're kind of – when I mean primetime is like they're the only show in town, basically, from a college football yeah. standpoint on Saturday at 2.30. So I'm very much looking forward to that, man. I, 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 I'm i at a 15. Now, the way it works for me is on game day, Ryan, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, now I'm kind of chill. It's here. Yeah. I started thinking about all the stuff we've got to do that day and just kind of formulating it all together and getting everybody on the same page and getting ready for the game. And that's when my kind of my old coach mode kind of kicks in where it's like, okay, now's the day that I'm calm. But the days leading up to it, man, I am, I mean, like right now I'm just like a ball of energy. I just want to start (laughs) screaming, you know? So, uh, uh, but yeah, so, it, some people in the chat would probably like if you started screaming. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, but we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. They probably would. Uh, here's a great one, Ryan. I wanted to just, I will read this one real quick from Beefeater ND08. It says, Brian, did you contemplate doing this show in a tuxedo? If not, why? <laughs> no, I didn't. Wait, why? Yeah, why would that be a thing? <laughs> like, first of all, if you guys knew me at all, this is as much as I dress up right here, right? Like, to me, like, you know, I show up at games and all the other people that cover the beat probably are annoyed by me, but I don't care. I, I show up in jeans and a polo, right? Like, yeah, I'm there to cover a football game, you know? That's most people that's most people yeah. honestly so. oh no not at i not not covering their name it's slacks and sport coats and all and i'm like yeah. you know hey my thing is do whatever it is you think is right for you right it is all good but i'm that's just me man like you know if i could show up to a game in jeans and a hoodie i'd show up to games in a jeans and a hoodie man so i think the last time i wore a suit we were living in colorado and angela had some uh, function for the school she was going to I think this is the last time I put a suit on uh, other than no, actually job interviews. I had some job interviews when I got back into coaching that, uh, that I had to wear a suit, but yeah, I am not a suit guy and I'm definitely not a tuxedo guy. Um, no, you know, actually last time I wore a suit, I think was actually for a uh, loose funeral. It was the last time I okay. wore a suit was, I forgot about that one, but yeah. Last happy memories were in interviews, but yeah, I'm not a suit tuxedo guy, Ryan, you, you know that. Well, how 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 much of a super chat will you have to get to put a tuxedo on during a show one day? Well, first of all, n- zero because I'm not gonna put a suit on when I'm. They're taking fifty percent of what you know you're giving. But if you know, we we we're gonna have some new functions here. There there might be a price. There might be a price. If somebody wants to do a sponsorship, you know, Drop your Venmo, get into the four or five figures. You know what I'm saying? We 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 may put a tuxedo on for that one, but. Uh, no, nobody wants to see that, Ryan. No, no, nobody uh, actually wants to see that, other than to get a good laugh. I just want to apologize to Tommy real quick. I got, I got a nice message from Tommy. I apologize, Tommy. I didn't know that that was your son in the picture. I think it's a great picture. Then my yeah. deepest apologies, man. Deepest apologies. Now the cool thing is, I think his son actually plays at the same high school that Tommy played at. I think Tommy also played at Maslin, I believe. Maslin, yeah. 
he sent me a Tommy sent me a video one time of him playing fullback, I think. And uh, yeah, he, I'll give him some credit, man. Looked like he could turn it a little bit, so I'll give yeah. Tommy credit what he can Tom, deserve. Tommy it. and I met Tommy. Tommy's that guy that like that high school linebacker I hated, that little five nine dude yeah. that just would just get up under your chin and your pads, and you're just like, where'd this guy come from, man? <laughs> So yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, Tommy's the one of the OGs. Like wrestle and stuff. Yeah, and, Tommy's yeah. one of the OGs, man. There's no, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We had a super chat from AST twelve three two one. Thank you so much for super chat. I said it at the start of camp, and I'll say it again: to hell with the off season. <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. I'm, I'm as fired up as you are. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We had a question from Irish Gordian Knotts. It's up IGK. Boldest take you have for the season. Is Notre Dame well, winning a national championship bold? I mean, yeah. Uh, I'll throw that I mean, I, right I think that's pretty bold. I mean, when you're talking about a team that hasn't done something in 35 years. 35 right? years. I mean, look, yeah. like Georgia hadn't won a title. I think it was I think 40 years, 40 to 40 41 years. years when they won a 21. But they had played for a title and gone to overtime in the title game like 2017. It wasn't like a huge shock when they won it a few years later, right? I mean, uh, and, and, you know, didn't win a title in 19 and 20 because that was two years where the SEC had just two phenomenal teams in their in their league with LSU in 2019 and in Alabama in 2020. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty bold take. You're talking about what has Notre Dame done? Notre Dame's had three chances in this stage, right, to, to play for a time. They lost 42 to 14. They yeah. lost 30 to 3. And then was it 31 to 7, 31 to 14? And it wasn't that close. I mean, yeah. Alabama absolutely called off the dogs in that game, and Notre Dame scored like a minute left, yes. right? It was not a, and that's what always made me mad when Brian Kelly talked about, you know, we were closer. Blah, it's like, bro, they 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 took it easy on you. They called the doll. It was 31 to 7, and they pulled their starters. You know what I mean? Like, let's not act like you guys had some great moral victory, you know? But, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty bold take. I mean, you know, Sam Hartman winning the Heisman's another one. I mean, if, if you talk about how long it's been since Notre Dame has won a national championship, it's been even longer since they've had a Heisman Trophy winner. You know, sure. when, you, when you look at uh, Tim Brown having won it in 1987, it's only by a year, but it's still longer. So I think that's another bold take that people have had. I think that was one of Vince's, I think, uh, for it. The other, the other bold take that I have, you know, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on this is, is, you know, I, I have this feeling about with like Alabama and Ohio State. I think this is a bit of a bold take, Ryan. They're either going to be great teams that are title contenders or they're going to be three loss teams. I don't think there's going to be an in-between with either one of those teams. Now that's a big step back for those programs, you sure. know, so, so either all the buttons get pushed right for Alabama and they go out there and they're the team that we all, you know, we all thought that they were going to be right. I mean, you know, but when I look at their schedule and, and I say, if, if the things that I'm concerned about with them are legitimate, there's at least two to three losses on that schedule, Ryan. I mean, you talk about Texas in the opener at home, Ole Miss at home, at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, home against Arkansas, home against Tennessee, home against LSU, at Kentucky, and at Auburn. Like, there's a chance for several losses in there if Kevin Steele's as bad as I think he is and if the quarterback situation turns out to be as bad as I think it can be. And, you know, there's still a lot that Tommy Reese has to prove, right? So, yeah, same with Ohio State. If the quarterback and O-line and some of the secondary issues get fixed out, which I'm actually predicting that for Ohio State, I'm actually thinking, or I've said this, Ryan, my prediction for Ohio State is they lose another name and then run the table. 
because I think that Notre Dame will also be a galvanizing thing for them. It'll be a spark that they've needed to not sleepwalk through the regular season like they have the last few years. And, and you know, I think it all figures out. I think they get back running the football and all that other kind of stuff. But if I'm wrong and their offensive line turns out to be a big problem, there's several potential losses on that schedule for them. You know, I mean, look, Penn State always plays Ohio State tough, right? I mean, you and I have talked about this. Ohio, Penn State doesn't beat Ohio State very often, but they always play Ohio State tough. I mean, that is always a tough game. Even when Penn State's had some bad teams, you've got obviously Notre Dame on there. You've got at Wisconsin on there. You've got at Michigan on there. There's a chance for them to be a three-loss team if some of those problems don't get fixed. So I think that's a bit of a bold take nationally. I don't think Washington in the playoff is that bold of a take, Ryan. Number one is they've got a top 10 team. And number two, they've been in the playoff before. That that shouldn't be considered an abnormal thing. So, you know, a team that so I don't know if that's a bold take. I, I think that's probably not a popular take, but I don't know that I would call that bold. I don't think it's bold to say a team that's preseason top 10 is going to be a playoff team. I don't think that that's bold. I don't have a whole lot of other bold, bold takes other than that. I actually had a bold take that I think the Pac-12 winner this year in the, well the championship game at least is going to be a three-loss team because I think that Interesting. that team's gonna, I think that team's, I think that's that league is going to cannibalize each other yeah. a little bit just a little bit yeah. I think it's going to be tough man like I could see Washington that. Oregon Oregon State USC UCLA as a spoiler yeah. a couple weeks Washington State like it's Oregon a, State yeah it's a top yeah it's a top I mean there's a, there's not much parity at the top of that league, in my opinion. Like, there's a lot of just good football teams. In I that. think you've also said this, Ryan, but it's the deepest league in college football this year. Now, this not year, so much yeah. deepest from the standpoint of they have five, six playoff championship content, national championship contenders. I don't really think they have yeah. any, uh, to be honest with you. I think USC is about the only team that maybe has a shot if their defense does take a big jump because they have Caleb Williams. Like, I love Michael Penix, sure. but he's a guy that operates that system at an incredibly high level. Caleb Williams is a guy that can put a team on his shoulders. I don't believe Michael Penix is that guy. Uh, it's just my opinion, but he's great running that system. Sure. Um, you know, if the defense turns out USC, maybe just because they have that kind of that, that quarterback that can maybe get hot at the right time. But what they have is a five, six teams that can, can that can win that, that league. I mean, I think USC can win it. I think Colorado, Colorado, I think uh, Oregon can win it. I think Utah can win it. I think Oregon State can win it. I think Washington can win it. That's five. And then there's UCLA, there's Arizona, there's teams like that, like Washington State, teams like that that can knock anybody off on any given Saturday. Sure. You know, and and who knows what Arizona State's going to be and who knows about Cal and Stanford. But man, there's a, that's a, like you said, man, that's a deep league. And I kind of feel that way. I think the team, the league that's second in that regard to me is the Big 12. I, I think the Big 12 is going to be another league that cannibalizes itself a little bit. It's possible. You know, because it's just, I mean, I would have said Iowa State could, but with all the issues they've had this 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 fall with, uh, or, yeah. you know, in fall camp with all the kids being suspended and all the gambling stuff, they're, they're a hot mess. But all other teams in that division on any given Saturday can beat anybody. I mean, they just added BYU. They added Cincinnati. Now, the nice thing for the Big 12 is, is now because the league's expanded, they don't play everybody again now. It used to be in order to win that league, you had to beat somebody twice. It's not necessarily a guarantee that that's going to happen now. But that's another league that's deep. I just I think the top end of the Big 12 is not as good as the top end of the Pac-12, in my opinion, as far as the like, – I don't think Texas is you – know, I think a lot Texas, more question marks. Yeah, yeah, marks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't put Texas on the same level as USC and Washington just yet. I don't. I think yeah. they're more Oregon for me right now than they are. 
then Oklahoma, Oklahoma's a hot team that people are picking to like take a big jump. It's like they went six and seven last year. Like, yeah, can we just I don't let see it happen it. first? I don't, I don't see it. Like they're all like, oh well, we didn't have Dylan Gabriel in those two blowout losses. I'm like, yeah, but you had him in your loss to West Virginia and your loss to Texas Tech, and you know what I mean. Like he played in those games. So instead so, of losing forty nine nothing against Texas, you would have lost forty nine twenty eight against Texas. Forty nine seventeen. I mean, exactly, exactly. Like, no disrespect, but like exactly. there was a lot more problems on that team aside from just quarterback play. Exactly. The season. So. And a weird head coach, a very weird head coach. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. John A. One, what's up, John? Welcome back. Which player who isn't projected? I don't think this is the real John A. One. I, I think this A1. is the person who stole his name, which is why John A1 changed his name. I could be wrong. So if you've changed your name back, let me know. But I think this isn't the real. Yeah, John, mes- message John me A1. on the message board if uh, this is the real John. If this yeah. is the real John A1, please stand up. Please yeah. Stand up. So I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that this is the real John A1. Well, from whoever this John A1 is, which player who isn't projected to start right now? can have a big mid to late season impact. Last year it was Chris Smith, Deion Colsey, and Xavier Watts, who could make the jump in 2023. Mid-season impact. You know, I, I would say that that maybe Chris Smith was someone who didn't have a mid-season impact. We just started paying attention to it by the middle of the season. Yeah. But I thought he was Chris playing Smith, pretty consistently most of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, feel, I, I think the Ohio State game was really the only one that I didn't really notice him do a whole lot, but – I mean, he started. He started playing well. The the well, Marshall. Nobody played well against Marshall. And, yeah. I, I think we. I think we ignored Chris Smith for a while because we're like number sixty five is a terrible number for a defensive lineman. But like then we forgave him because he was playing pretty solid ball. So gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Mid seat. Well, you know, Ryan. I think the freshman. The freshman class could be that. There's several guys in the freshman class that I could see that. Couldn't you? Like. You Jeremiah know, got, loves my pick. Yeah. Jeremiah loves it, my guy. Uh, Drake yeah. Dwellen starting to get more time in the rotation. You know, Jaden Osbury maybe getting some more time. Uh, Antonio Carter is a transfer. I can see him really one. starting to maybe step up and get more playing time uh, as the season wears on. I could see that. And um, trying to think of some other guys that can Sam maybe Hartman. be that. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Jerry Price is a guy who may not take off right away, you know, for yeah. Notre Dame. I could see that. You know who's a freshman on offense that could maybe maybe middle of the season start having more of an impact, although it won't it won't be much statistically. I could see by middle of the season Cooper Flanagan's playing a lot more and as a blocker. I could see I that. Agree. I could I see that. He he'd be yep. one. He'd be one. Defensive line wise, Ryan, maybe the light goes on for Josh Burnham about midway through the season and he really maybe. starts to take his game. But I think what I'll say this is I think there's a much better chance for guys to become midseason, true midseason breakouts than last year where of those guys right there, Xavier Watts is the only one who really kind of had any sort of breakout type of Now Dion had did some really good things for Notre Dame. I think his best game was like three catches. I wouldn't actually call that like a, a um, like a kind of a breakout. Not that that word's not being used by, by this John a one person here, but um, yeah, I, I could see that being more of a difference maker type of impact this year, sort of middle of the season than maybe we saw last last year. Just a just yep. a thought. Could be. Just a thought. I could also see Christian Gray continually getting more that's and more reps one. throughout the season, yeah, and then by midseason, you're like, oh, it's her number three corner, like impossible. That's a you know good what I mean? one. So yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. I like that one, Ryan. Uh, let's see here. We got one from Irish Gordian Knot. I was going not. How much do we expect Jordan Faison to be utilized this season? Who's, of course, the freshman walk-on lacrosse player. 
you know, I don't, I don't know that he's going to play a ton this year. You know, maybe I don't, I just don't look, he's gotten some playing time in fall camp, but he's still right now at best, the seventh receiver. So maybe, I mean, cause you've got, you've got Tobias is ahead of him, Tyree and Jaden Thomas, the starters, you've got Jaden Greathouse, you've got Deion Colsey, you've got Matt Salerno, Rico Flores, Rico Flores. Yep. You know, so look, and I love what I've seen from Jordan Faison. Like, love what I've seen from it. Pleasant from surprise, him. man. I thought he was going to be a good player, but I didn't think he'd be making noise this right. early as a freshman where people right. would be like, man, is that kid going to play as a walk-on? Yeah. Like, that's wild, yeah. you know? Yeah, now some of that is like, you know, just people needed something to talk about. But the other part of it is like the kid was impressive athletically. Yeah. I think I think the thing is like for me I'm imp- I don't disagree with anything I've heard anyone say about him. I think he's he's fast, he's quick. He's going to he has a chance to be a player. I think the the thing that I've disagreed with is the, is the hype of oh well he's passed up so and so and so and so I'm like uh really? Like um that's not what I've seen. But if if he does play it, I mean I'd be fine with it. You know have him back there returning kicks or something like the kid's really athletic. Easily. We've said this Ryan, you and I've going back signing day. This is not your typical walk-on class. No, because you've got guys that are legitimate scholarship players. When when there's a reason Ryan and I had him and Luke Talich on the show on signing day, because Ryan and I talked about this. Like these are not normal walk-ons. Like we At need all. to talk about these guys as being part of this class because these are not, you know, the the quality walk-on type of guys. These are Division One football players, man. We, we had them on at the same time too. I remember, yeah. like literally, they were on yeah. at the same exact time in the interview, which is pretty funny. But. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. Luke's listed at like almost six foot four now, man. Like that kid's gonna be a big dude, man. <laughs> yeah, he's a good looking athlete. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Hey, Quinn Kibler, what's up, Quinn? What do you think the first play will be? I'm saying RPO with a more downfield options. Well, an RPO is not take a play, a shot. though. I, yeah. th- I think they're gonna take a shot down the field. I don't know if it'll be just like a I'm going to say it's some type of post-snap switch and they're going to take a vertical shots at the I'd, first play of the game. That's what I'd that's be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with that. I, I, I kind of in this from the standpoint of, I want to come out and kind of, kind of run it right away. And the reason for me is more so uh, setting them up for something on play two or three is kind of where, where I'm coming from on that. But I do want to see right. an early shot by them. Now, keep in mind, an RPO is not a play. Like you don't call an it's RPO play. Yeah, it's a it's something built into another play. You're calling a run, and then you're tagging whatever pass concepts you want with that run. An RPO is is a, is a it's like a philosophy more so than a play. It's like you an know? adjustment. It's right. like on defense, if like right. I have a combo coverage where it's like this could turn into this if something happens, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the same concept. Yes, yeah. right. It's a descriptor more so than it is a play. I hope that if they do run the ball on play one, that there's a built-in RPO with it. That I do hope that there is, no doubt, if they do call a run. That would be uh, something I would like to see. From Irish Gordian Knot with a lot of great questions to start the show today. What is Pat Hugan's ceiling? If he hits that ceiling, what would his draft prospects look like? Oh, man, we're talking about draft prospects. He's a redshirt sophomore <laughs> who has never played a game at Notre Dame. Like, let's let him play a game first before we start talking about 
the draft. He's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, what's well, his ceiling? Dra- he is draft eligible, though. He is draft yeah. eligible. Yeah. What's his um, What's his ceiling as a player? You know, a, a tough, hard-nosed, smart, fundamentally sound kid that lacks athleticism. That's what a ceiling is, right? And we've seen guys like that be good football players in Notre Dame. Sure. We've we've seen several guys like that. You know, like a, you know, not as strong as a Braxton Cave, but like a Braxton Cave type. You know, tough kid, not the greatest athlete. Now, Braxton was hurt by that bad leg injury he had in 2010. That kind of sapped a little bit of athleticism from him. But, you know, maybe that kind of guy, you know, real tough, hard-nosed. Josh Lug ended up being that type of guy. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison, too. Different body type, but, yeah, I could see that. You know, just kind of do your job, compete your butt off. You know, not a real great mover, you know, but just tough kid, physical. Because you can be physical and not strong, like not powerful. Those are two different things. Physicality is a style. Power is a result to me, you know, as far as someone that can move people. But that those would be my two um, – be the two areas where I would go with that one, Brian. That would be – yeah, that that would be something. I mean, if you think of, think of players they've had, like, you know what he could be by the time he's a fifth-year senior? He could be what people thought Kane Madden was, right? Like, limited athletically – but smart, do his, does his job, physical, yeah. tough, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, but a better version of it. But, but like, that's why I say what people thought he was more so than what a, he actually a, was. A, a bigger, slightly more talented version than Kane Madden. That's, yeah. Because yeah. Kane was only like, he was maybe 6'2", right? Like he was a small yeah, dude. Yeah, he, like was, he small. was not. Yeah, he was yeah. not big. Yeah, he was small. All right, let's get down to some more here. We got one from Matt McCarthy. Matt says, is this is the staff still trying to get Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah McClellan to come for an official visit this fall? I mean, the Jeremiah McClellan thing stopped a long time ago. Yeah. Matt. Like they're not they haven't been recruiting Jeremiah yeah. McClellan for months now. Like it's been several. There were just other and, players they liked better. Yeah. Yeah. And now Notre Dame has the three wide receivers in their 2024 class. So I don't I, I would imagine that they'll keep in contact with some players to see what possibilities will be in the end result, especially if Notre Dame booms this season offensively. But as of right now, I don't envision either one of those things happening and especially not Jeremiah McClellan, because that is just one that Notre Dame has moved on from a very long time ago. Ryan, I think that they will stay involved with big time players at receiver. That's what I think. I don't think the Notre Dame staff, or I know the Notre Dame staff never viewed Jeremiah McClellan as that. They thought he was a good solid player, but once, you know, once they kind of zeroed in on on Micah Gilbert being a guy that they really liked and had a shot with, he kind of got prioritized over Jeremiah McClellan. And, and of course, Isaiah Canyon did. And when, when Notre Dame kind of circled back to after they lost Isaiah Canyon, I, that was a name that was never brought up to me. Yeah. So I, I just – I don't think that was ever really an option for Notre they, Dame. They liked Jeremiah McClellan. I just don't think they loved Jeremiah right. McClellan. And that's There's okay. just other guys on the board that were better. I mean, that's the position that they're in now is is to kind of go after some of those guys. Yeah. And and the guy they found to be the replacement just had six receptions for 171 yeah. yards yesterday in, in Logan yeah. Saldate. So. Just got bumped up by rivals in their most recent update as a four-star as well. Right. So. Yep. Irish blooded. Mailbag. We'll have tomorrow more pet. What will we have tomorrow? More passing touchdowns or more rushing touchdowns, including any potential quarterback rushing touchdowns. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say passing touchdowns, Ryan. That's where I'm going with, because I have them at 38. I'm going with 38 to 13 is my score. I see three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns is how I see it. 
including a, a short touchdown because they're going to load the box and they're going to run some kind of, you know, bootleg at four yards and, you know, kind of like they did last year, that little quick wheel route to Chris Tyree, you know, because they just would load it up and there's just nobody to account for Tyree. There was one play that if Drew Pine pulls the ball, it was actually, I think it was actually right before the pass to Tyree. If he pulls the ball, Matt Salerno was wide open on a bootleg, RPO bootleg. I mean, wide open. So I think you'll see something like that as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go more. Yeah. more. Now, in your scenario, Ryan, of your score, it could be split, right? Couldn't it be could tied? Because be. you're, you're at six be. touchdowns in the game. Yeah, it could be tied. I, I would still think go passing touchdowns. Maybe it's four to two in favor of the passing touchdowns just because I, I don't know why it is. Like I, Because I think most of the offseason I was with you, Brian, as far as like I thought that Notre Dame would just kind of come out and just show their show their their identity still of being a running football team and then let everything kind of work off of it. But I just have a feeling Notre Dame's going to open the ball, open the game up a little bit tomorrow early in the game and, yeah. and come out throwing the football. I don't know why. It's just a feeling that I have. So in that ideology, in that philosophy, in that perspective, I think that they might throw for a mess of yards and some touchdowns left tomorrow. So my so only see. my only concern about the predictions that we have is that it's supposed to rain tomorrow. That's yeah. the only thing that can maybe maybe cut it. But I, I you know, look, Sam Sam Hartman's from North Carolina. Trust me, he's thrown in the rain before. I can promise yes, you that. Is. Right. Yeah. He's uh, you know, he's in that state that constantly's getting and I can speak from experience. I played my freshman year in North Carolina. You 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 have rain games. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pete Weber's is hypothetical. It's the first game of the season in Dublin, the 2012 Irish versus the 2023 Irish. What's the final score and who are the most impactful playmakers that end up deciding the game? Wow. I mean, it's hard. It's impossible. Honestly, I love the question, Pete. It's fun, but it's impossible for me to answer that because I haven't seen this football team play. I mean, it's you could say, well, what about how you thought about that team then compared to now? Honestly, I didn't have a super strong opinion about that team going into the year because that was my first year back in coaching. So the whole month leading that season, I was about my team. And, you know, I was a Notre Dame fan, and I was ready for the game to start, but I wasn't locked into what that team was going to be. I just remember how disappointing they were the year before uh, and and assumed that they would – you know, I was hoping they'd be really good, but I mean, you always kind of wait for the, the shoe to drop. So I, I honestly can't tell you. I'll, I'll say the difference between the two teams – I'll say this, Ryan – I think the 2023 team certainly has the most potential for more impactful playmakers. I mean, the 2012 team was all about toughness and physicality. Your best player was your tight end. Your two best players on offense were your tight end and your left tackle, right, by far. And, you know, and your your best running back was a tough, grinded-out guy that averaged under five yards carry. 
Sure. I mean, it, it was a completely different dynamic than what we're expecting this team to be. But then also that team had Manti and Cap and Stephon Tewitt and Lewis Nix. And, and you had some dudes on that defense. Sure. Uh, I think the overall top to bottom depth of this team is certainly better than that team. But it's a, it's very similar to thing when we compare it to the 2015 team is Ryan is there are not as many proven elite players on this team as there were in the 2012 or 2015 teams that's still the question mark now I think we think that those certain guys are going to step up and become those stars right but going into 2012 forget what they ended up being I mean you had you had Manti who you knew was a great player I mean you, you had Tyler Eifert you had Zach Martin you already had guys that were established really good players and then of course more emerged throughout the season Stefan Tuitt became that guy uh, sure. Lewis Nix became that guy I don't know who that's going to be for this team yet so um, I, I think the 2012 team would have a difficult time handling the pass attack of this team but I also think this team would have a really hard time running the football on that team as well yeah well that's I, what I, I think, think. I think both of those would neutralize some of the strengths of the others and take advantage of the weaknesses of the others. I ultimately, like, if I had to pick one, Pete, I would pick 2023 just because, and this is usually a tiebreaker for me, you have a six-year quarterback on one side, you have a retro freshman quarterback on the other. I'll take the experience in that regard. Like, that's just, yeah. that's my tiebreaker, like, we right? we didn't know what Everett Goldson was going to be going into the exactly. season. I loved him as a prospect, but I, we didn't sure. know what he was going to be. So well, really he, I mean, even do. he was he was a good player as a redshirt freshman, but like he's not what Sam Hartman is right now. No. You know what I mean? Like ever. No. I mean, so, yeah, right. I'll, I'll take the six year quarterback that's had a lot of experience and thrown for a mess of yards and touchdowns. Like I'll take that guy as the tiebreaker there. And and Ryan, I just I don't know that you can go to the college. Football, you can go 12 and 0 today in today's game. It's, it's crazy to say this because only like 11 years ago. It wasn't even that long ago. I know. But I just don't think you can get to the college football playoff this year. We're in your first four games. You only scored more than 20 once. I mean, you scored 50 in the opener against Navy, but in the next three games, you were 20, 20, and 13, including a, a you know, couple teams that were, were ranked at the time. And then you scored 41 against Miami. Great. But then you were 20 in overtime against Stanford. You were 17 against BYU. They scored 21 against BC, 22 against USC, 29 against Pitt. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times that year, Notre Dame scored under 30 points. They will not be 12-0 if they have eight regular seats because it was nine, one, the ninth was the, the championship game. They will sure. not go 12-0 this year if they score under 30 points eight times. I can I can almost assure you of that. Yeah. It's just and, – and if you have – how many games do they have? They had one, two, three, four, five – six seven games Ryan where they scored 22 or fewer points like you just can't win in today's era when you do that that often you're not going to win a bunch of 17 to 14 13 to 6 20 to 17 games it's just it's a different era so that's the other part is this offense better be a whole lot more explosive than that offense was but that's all that offense needed to do I mean, they did what they needed to do to win those games and and also I would say is because the counter would be well, what if you? But what if you took this team and you dropped it back in 2012 to go against that 2012 team? Well, my my response would be, Notre Dame's offense would still run the same today as it would in 2012 because we're meshing two different right. circumstances, right? So they would still be able to take advantage of some open space, some ability to work outside, like those types of things, right? Yeah, would running duo against that 2012 team work? 
Absolutely not. That's <laughs> not a very smart thing. Like, but no, the only way it's going to work is if you can if you can give the 2013 team the 2017 offensive line. That's about right, the right. only way duo is going to yeah. work against yeah. that 2012 Notre yeah. Dame yeah. front. So, like, like, like smashing our heads against the wall against Capron, Lewis Moore, Lewis Nix, and Stefan Tuit, and Manti Teo behind him. Like, that's probably not the smartest thing of all time. So, yes, I would agree. Yeah. We had some super chats down here, Ryan. Let's get to a few of those. Good question, Pete. Thank you for that. I, I Those were fun. Let's get to a few super chats here. D Breezy, thank you so much for the super chat. Will you scream if the first play is a handoff? No. no. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what I've predicted. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially because like it doesn't give us an outcome here. Like, what if it's a handoff that goes for like seventy? Like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Look, I mean, I I still believe this team needs to be able to run the football. Right. Like, I don't want this team coming out there looking like, you know, like the late coach Leach is running the offense. Right. Like, I, I don't want that. This is still needs to be a team that can run the football on anybody. I mean, if Navy punks you out of being able to run the football, there, there's much bigger problems for this football team. And so, no, I have no problem with that. I mean, I'm not most people's like, oh, you just got to come out throwing a ball. If they do that and they think that's their best way to play, that's fine. But if they think that, hey, we got to try to still establish the line of scrimmage, sure. But also as a former offensive coordinator, also sometimes you're trying to set something else up. And so we're going to make you think we're doing this. And then, you know, the second or third, third or fourth play, maybe we come back with a little something off of that. We got something because I'm trying to feel you out. I want to see what you're doing, I, you know, and right. one of the safest ways to see how to feel a team out, Ryan, is to kind of come out and show a lot of different motions and shifts and looks, but still run the football with some RPOs built in. You know, that way it's a little bit safer as opposed to, you know, calling a, an empty drop back and then they run a coverage you had prepared for all week and you, you throw an early pick, right? Like, you know, I'm so I'm I'm completely fine with that. Completely fine with that. And I did find out too, Ryan, that the uh, those first John A ones are the OG John A one. He has changed the oh, name nice. back. He just emailed me, and so he said the copycat did ask another question. So I'll try to find out who that person mm. is and uh, deal with it. So interesting. Yeah, Nathan Milton. So Milton, which player that left last year with eligibility remaining would you like to have back the most this season? Likelihood, Nolan Ziegler suits up this year. That's so who a good had eligibility question. left last year? So was no, um, Brandon Joseph had There's also COVID, right? Yeah. So offense. I mean, look, guys, if you could put Michael Mayer on this football team with the receivers oh, yeah, they easy. have, that's an easy I mean, one. But yeah. let's take let's take not the easiest one for me. It would probably be Braden Lindsay. I would take on offense. It would be yeah. Braden Lindsay. I would take. I would take as long as he was bought in to play big ends. I would take Isaiah Foskey back and yeah, let him wreak havoc yeah. there. That's like, an easy yeah. one on defense. Yeah, yeah. I'd see. who would your offensive pick be? I mean, I would love to say Michael Mayer, but you yeah. said I can't if, pick if, him. Yeah, so. you can't have him, right? Like that's why I went with Lindsey because I think Lindsey yeah. would be okay being part of rotation. You know, I think he could do some some different things for you, give you a little bit of a speed burst. Uh, sure. But I like the Foskey one. But like you said, like he'd have to have been like completely bought into yeah. playing a little bit of a different role. Bought year. in, sold out to get up to like 265 pounds and been an absolute game wrecker because we know yes. he has the talent to be yep. one. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Could you imagine if you got like – because like Isaiah Foskey's sacks would go down a little bit playing big end, right? But can you imagine having a big end like him at, and it's still like eight sacks plus? Do you like? think his numbers would go like this? So sacks would go down, but tackles for loss would go up? Probably, yeah. I, yeah. I think that he would have like 
14 to 15 tackles for loss and eight sacks. Like that's kind of what yeah. I would think he would put up. Like yeah. I could see that. I just feel like that's great. That's <laughs> really, yeah. really good. So cool. I could definitely see that. Could definitely see that. Ryan, we had a, we did have an, another question here that I wanted to have you quickly answer okay. before we get to, um, to that one. It was about basically it was from Connie, it's from Connie, a, a, a Paro. And she asked, and I and I can't find her question, but she wanted to know, and I figured you just could, quick, could quickly give it what CJ Carr sure. stats were for last night. Yeah, uh, 28, 21 out of twenty eight for over three hundred yards. He had two total touchdowns, one passing, one rushing, and he threw one interception during that football game. The interception, though, just for some context, was trying to do a little bit too much, and they were up thirty five to seven when he did it. Yeah. So, like you know, <laughs> there were two balls that I thought should have also been caught. That deep ball where the running back allowed himself to get kind oh, of pushed outside. Yeah, he should. Zone, yeah. A, a better receiver makes that play. Yeah, I thought that was one of his better balls, but yeah, he was really good last night. He he looked really good, yeah, especially early. I mean, he started out like fourteen of sixteen on the day; yeah. like he was really, really sharp yeah. last night. Yeah. Last part was likelihood that Nolan Ziegler suits up this year. I think he will. Yeah. Uh, it, um, I believe his family is posting an update today on what's going on with him. And the you know, I look just full disclosure. I can say it now. Uh, I've been in contact with Nolan's family this entire time. Uh, they're really good people. They've been really worried about their son. I'll let them speak for what's been going on. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think the fact that they're now speaking out today is evidence that they feel he's on the track back and it wasn't disciplinary issues. It's just some other personal stuff. I'll let them, you know, they're, they're putting the post out today. I'll, I'll put the post on the message board later today. Uh, but, um, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of let people know kind of what's going on. Cause they're getting a lot of questions about it, right? Like, is it injury? Sure. Do you get in trouble? Is there, there's nothing like that. And then of course people yeah. jump to conclusions. I remember the first day he missed practice. People were like, Oh, is Nolan Ziegler transferring? It's like, yeah, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's working his way back and um, definitely rooting for the kid to, to get through the stuff he's going through. No doubt about it. But yeah, I, I fully expect him to, to suit up this year. Will, will he play this year? I don't know. And honestly, that's not my concern right now. My concern is him getting back to being the, the the Nolan that we knew before. That's what I care about. And if that means he plays, great. If he needs to kind of just get back on track and maybe get back at it from the spring, that's fine too. I don't really care. I just want the kid to get back uh, and, and get himself right. That's going to be the key. But if he gets back and gets right this season, you know, I certainly expect to see him on some special teams and possibly you know fighting his way back into the two deep. But I don't think that's anyone's – well, at least it's not my top concern right now. My top concern sure. is him just getting back and being okay. I think that's the big key. We had another super chat from Tyler Evans. Thank you so much, Tyler. When you are watching the game tomorrow, what are position groups you're watching right away on offense and defense? What would you like to see from them? I mean, Brian, for me personally, like it's it's the it's the two combination answer that we talked about yesterday in the podcast. I'm watching both lines on the in the game early on tomorrow because one, we have high expectations for the defensive line. Awesome. We've been hearing all offseason about Riley Mills and Jason Onye and and Gabriel Rubio taking a step forward and the edges making making some plays. Cool. Defensive line needs to come and play. Howard Cross, of course, being the steady force that he is. But on the other side of the ball, offensive line wise, specifically interior offensive line, you have two new starting guards and you have Zeke Carell, who's a little bit butt banged up. He obviously we expect him to play, but like he's been a little bit hobbled later path of of Paul Camp, so I'm interested to see what the interior offensive line looks like, what the offensive line as a whole looks like, and if that defensive line is for real or if it was a little bit of 
maybe playing against some new guys up front that was helping their rises a little bit. So I'm watching the lines tomorrow, baby. Uh, Ryan, I'm right there with you. I mean, look, yeah, we want the receivers to play. But look, Navy's secondary is not good. If the receivers play really well tomorrow, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be great. I mean, if they're just smoking dudes and it's like, yeah, okay, they're, they're, they're. But I mean, if they have a big day, it's like, well, they did that last year. Navy's secondary say, is really they threw bad. For like 200 something yards in the first yeah. half last year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Their secondary is really bad. Yeah. Um, if the line, if the offensive line comes out, for example, and plays really well tomorrow, that's a great sign. Great sign. Cause it's the, it's literally one player down in their front seven and O line on each side from what they had last year. That's it. Just one player on the O line's missing. One player in the front seven is missing. Now he's a pretty good one, but he was an outside guy. He wasn't even a box guy. Right. And so if they come out and, and, and you know, assert their, you know, authority, so to speak, then that's a great sign. That's a really yeah. great sign for, for these lines. So yes, I'm with you, Ryan. That is a big, big one for me. Very much looking forward to, to seeing how those. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to some of those. So here, here's a, Here's a good one, Ryan, from the real John A1. I've now been able to identify who the fake John A1 A1 is. And so we're gonna we're gonna get, deal with that here. So, nice. Yeah. John A1, what will Sam Hartman need to accomplish this year at Notre Dame to gain the national respect he should have in the first half of the on the season? I mean, it really comes down to go on the road and light NC State up. Right. I mean, that's a team that he hasn't had a ton of success with in the past. Light NC State up. I think that's his first chance to to play in the national spotlight game. But but really the first half of the season, right? It's 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 the Ohio State game. I mean, that's yeah. that's the one. It's not only yeah. beat Ohio State, but you know, you've got to make big play. He doesn't need to throw for like 380 yards, but you just gotta be good. You know, if he if he goes, you know, completes 65% of his passes, throws for 270, two even just 250, 260. Two, three touchdowns, you know, sets up the run game and just they go out and win the game and he just looks good doing it, efficient, makes some plays when you need to. Yeah. That'll that'll start to get him the national respect. I don't think he needs to go out there and throw for 370, 380, five touchdowns like he did against Clemson last year, because he did that against Clemson last year and they lost it. Yeah. And it but it also didn't get him to like, hey, you know, nice job, Sam, and then move on to but he's not a top ten quarterback, you know what I mean? But you do that. You know, you throw for 250, 260 at, at Notre Dame, two, three touchdowns against Ohio State, and you beat Ohio State. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's talking about it, yeah. right? And so that, that's the game to me. I mean, it's just play well and beat Ohio State. I think that Ohio State game, too, also has a chance to really prove a lot of different points, Brian. One is, is that Sam Hartman is that guy from a personal perspective. The other one is one that we've believed for the last couple of years is that Notre Dame has been a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender for a couple of years, right? Like that's kind of where I, I felt at least. And I feel like if, if Sam Hartman is, is able to come out against Ohio state and show that Notre Dame with a really good quarterback can beat anybody can beat Ohio States can show that they can be that type of team. Not only do you show that he is that quarterback in the national landscape, he also shows that the issues that were surrounding this program are hundred percent understood now, right? Because there's some astronaut, there's some national people right now that are looking at Notre Dame and being like, oh, it's not just quarterback. They have no wide receivers, they have no team speed. Like, okay, cool. If Sam Hartman's able to go out and beat an Ohio State team and spread them up a little bit, you know, make some plays, then you can go like, huh, Notre Dame can be relevant here, can't they? They can make, yeah. they can make a So what here. you're they what you're saying, Ryan, is 
not only does Sam Hartman become the get the national respect, but you're saying yeah. he now changes the narrative for Notre Dame because Correct. now everything we've been saying, like, no, this team has been more talented than people think. They've just needed a yeah. the right quarterback to get them. Because I'll say this: Jack Cohn led one of the least, one of the the worst Notre Dame teams I've seen in the last. Since 2016, the worst Notre Dame team there was was the 2021 team, in my opinion. When you just look at that roster, O-line wasn't any good. There was a lot of issues on that team. They went 11-1. and Now, yes, they played a bad schedule, but they went 11-1 and because, mainly in my opinion, because of Jack Cohn. I mean, you take Jack Cohn off. If you don't have Jack Cohn for that Florida State game, that's an L. He played great in that game. So, you know, fourth quarter drive against Toledo, coming off the bench against Virginia Tech. I mean, he was by no means perfect, but if you don't have Jack Cohn on that team, Notre Dame is is not in a good position that year, and who knows how that goes, right? And and we saw what kind of happened a little bit against Wisconsin when he went down. You know, the offense just kind of couldn't do anything. You needed that special teams uh, play to, to break it. Now, that sparked things a little bit, but yeah, it, 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 it I like your point there, Ryan. It's a great point. It starts to change the narrative about Notre Dame as well because they say, hey, you yeah. know what? They they do have really good talent. They have been a quarterback short. That has been the problem. I think that's a exactly. great point. I love that point. Yeah, that's really well done. So we now, Ryan, have uh, only one John A1 in the show. The other nice. one has now been uh, removed. John. All, all I'll say, John, is when people have to want, feel like they need to start imitating yep. people, that is the biggest sincere – that's the biggest flattery ever, man, because they're like, so, that guy's cool. I want to be right. that guy. <laughs> Indie football nerd is who he changed his name to. Yep. So, yep. Ryan, which other – you know that, but other people, now he's back to John A1, which I'm happy to see. And I didn't want to bring up the super chat till I was able to determine who the real John A1 was. So, Well, you should have you you taken the other one's money and then uh, kicked him No, nah, it's all kidding. good. I, I still get the money. I just wouldn't have pulled the chat up. So, <laughs> yeah. John A1 with the super chat. Thank you, John. It's game time. I'm back. Let's go, IB Nation. Are they playing on real grass or turf? I believe this is a grass field. I believe it is, too. Yeah. It's a It's a soccer pitch, so, like – that's usually how that works. Right. I think, I mean, I, mm-hmm. that's typically, I, I mean, I've seen pictures too. I not like a expert on grass versus turf, but like it looked great. It looked like grass yeah, to me. Pretty sure. It and it's a, and it's a soccer field and yeah, the turf, vast yeah. majority of soccer fields, especially I believe in Europe are all grass or almost all grass. Right. I, I believe, believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I believe here's an interesting one, Ryan. I like this one from smiling Irish who says, if it rains more than a little tomorrow, does that change your score prediction? Advantage Notre Dame, Navy, or neither? If it rains tomorrow and it's consistent throughout the game, Ryan, I think what that would do is probably lower my score total a little bit for Notre Dame and possibly Navy. So people have asked us, you know, is it advantage Notre Dame, Navy, or neither? I think it's advantage Notre Dame because it's a little harder for undersized players to really dig in on a wet field. Ryan, you know this playing defense. Like if you're going against a guy that's 50 pounds bigger than you on a wet field, and in your feet are just you, it's have you have a lot harder time really getting traction. You know, really putting your feet in the ground and and kind of holding up. I also think that there's a lot more exchanges that have to happen in the triple option offense. Honestly, that that the the meshes and things like that that a wet ball can really mess with you. It, it can, and so I just I think the smaller team that requires so much more pin i mean not pin and pull but you know give pitch all that kind of stuff mesh i think it's advantage notre dame in that regard because they can just kind of lean on them a little bit 
And I think that Notre Dame's players are going to have more opportunities for success in space if, you know, with with, with the slick turf than, than Navy's guys will. It's not a huge advantage either way. I don't, I don't think rain really gives a huge advantage, in my opinion, but I think the, the one that would be there would slightly would be for Notre Dame, in my opinion. But it would probably, you know, maybe take a touchdown off of Notre Dame's docket and maybe yep. a field goal off of Navy's it, it, just because you may run the ball a little bit more and some different yeah. things like that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that I had 42 to 10. So maybe it's 35, seven, you know, maybe yeah. 28, seven. I don't know, but regardless, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it swings momentum in one way or the other as much. I think it just kind of stunts some scoring that we would have potentially seen on a more dry field. Good one. Good one. I like that. Here's, here's a, we'll get a couple from him right now. What's the latest on Tyler Buckner at Alabama? I'm reading conflicting stories on his status. This is why I hate some of this fall camp stuff, man, because one person says one thing, another person says something completely different. Like, I, can we, I, all I'll say is this, and this is just my opinion. I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to be the starting quarterback. But I also don't think that we're getting like exactly the full picture of what's Correct. happening in that quarterback battle. Like, let's let it play out for a couple more weeks and then we'll find out very soon. Some of the stuff I've read and who I've read it from is kind of like, this is so low budget. There's just so many people that cover Alabama. And it's just yeah, like, there's, there's like a lot. <laughs> and then most of them I'm just like, dude, this guy has no clue what's going on. Like, I know for a fact that he's not getting that information from Nick Saban or Tommy Reese. You, you know what I mean? And so I have no clue who's going to start none we'll find out here probably the next week i think tyler's doing better than maybe the perception is i heard he had a really good scrimmage last week but i think other guys did as well so you know i i don't i don't know what he's gonna do i i've said all along this was not the place he should have picked ryan he should have honestly if he didn't want to beat notre dame he should have gone to stanford and ran, ran troy taylor's offense like he'd be really good in troy taylor's offense in my opinion if he could stay healthy you know, because that's a, you know, it's an air, an air raid type of offense. You know, they they let their quarterback, they like their quarterback to run a lot. I think their quarterback was their leading rusher last year, wasn't he? At, at Sacramento State, I believe he was. First well, or it was second. Ba- it, was, it was the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback? Remember, okay. Yeah. They used him as like a just pure like wildcat type of kid. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you get Tyler Buckner, you don't need to put that guy in there and run a wildcat. Your starter can do that, you know? So, like, to me – I thought a system like that, some somewhere going back out in the West Coast, somewhere that's going to let you kind of be in the shotgun, run pass. Going to Alabama's offense just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It really so, didn't make a lot of sense. I remember one team that te- people were talking about a lot was TCU as well, and I thought that yeah. one could have been interesting as well. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what he looked like in Sonny Dykes' yeah. system. But uh, that's a, that's Yeah, I mean, kind of a gamer, playmaker. You don't need to yeah. be a 70% completion it's, guy. Yeah, they, they ran Duggan a lot last year too, yeah. man. They ran him a whole lot. So I mean, I, yeah. I think Buckner could have been successful in that all. And Duggan wasn't the greatest passer on the planet either. You no, know? he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't at all. He wasn't at all. But they manufactured a lot of easy stuff for Max yeah. Duggan. I mean, that offense did a really good job last year. So he would have went in and he would have battled with Chandler Morris, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like I think Tyler probably maybe could have beat out Chandler Morris. I mean, potentially. Right. So yeah. it's possible. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Let's get some more questions here, Ryan. We had John A1 who said, how many yards per catch do you expect from Tobias Merriweather? Are we just talking tomorrow, John, or are we talking full season? Let's do both. Yeah, let's just do both. I say that Tobias is a big play threat tomorrow. Like, I would say that I think that he's going to average like 17 or 18 yards a catch. 
tomorrow because I think he's going to be a little bit of the field stretcher. I actually think that Chris Tyree is going to be more of the let's get him the ball quick and get him acclimated and let's let him work in space and create some big plays that way. So I think Tobias will actually be the yards per catch guy as far as stretching vertically. So I'll say 17, that's a high number. So I'll say on the season, he goes 15 to 16 yards a catch. Still a really healthy number. Yeah, I think that's fair. Style. Yeah. yeah, he'll have some games where he's over 20 and some games where he just catches nothing but stop routes and crossing routes, just the nature of, and then other plays, op- uh, you know, other plays open up. So I think, I think 15 to 16 is fair on the season. I do. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's a, yeah. that's a, because there's gonna be, there's gonna be some teams that are just gonna be like we're just gonna play cover three and cover four just not let you get right. behind us all day you know <laughs> like it's right. not gonna happen. We had another question from Katie Kievers. What's up, Katie? Is it concerning at all that Coach Freeman described the journey of the wide receivers this offseason as a bumpy road? No, not for me. I, I mean, it has been. That's when when you're going up against the player. I mean, you gotta think about what we've seen from the receivers this offseason, right? You get Caleb Smith transfers in. He then has his issues. He leaves. Lorenzo Styles goes to the spring. Then he leaves. Right. That's all part of this bumpy road. Right. I mean, you've had guys that went through periods where you know they they weren't playing as well, and then other periods where they were playing well. It's part of the development of a younger group. I yeah. honestly, if he would have said something different, I would have said one of two things is true. One, he's lying to us. Number one, or number two, maybe this secondary is not as good as we thought it was going to be. Right. I mean, that's the reality. Is the receiving core has a lot of potential. It's never, it's not going to be as good as the corners this year, in my opinion. It, it, that's a, that's one of the five best cornerback tandems in college football, in my opinion, Ryan, Cam Hart. And, and that's based off just what they did last year, honestly, yeah. in my view, not even projecting them to make huge jumps this season. If they make huge jumps, they're in the top two or three as a tandem. They were both very good last year. Both, how many teams had starting co- corners that held, that held opponents to 50 percent below on the season both of them in Notre in 2018 no in 2018 the Notre Dame's cornerback tandem of Troy Pride and Julian Love was pretty flipping good right we would all agree with that both of them allowed quarterbacks to be at 50 percent or higher on the season Julian Love was like 56 percent on the season I think Troy was like right at 50 I'm gonna have to look that up I'm pretty sure that Troy actually had the better I believe Troy Pride had the better yards per attempt I mean, completion percent against him averaged that season. Let me just go pull that up here real quick, Ryan. So Julian was at, I'm sorry, Julian, Troy was at 57. So I had him backwards. Troy was at 57. Julian was at 53. And they gave up 42 and 44 receptions respectively. Last season, Cam was at 50 Mm -hmm. last season. And he, he gave up 22 completions. Benjamin was at 43.1. He gave up 22 completions. So the two of them combined gave up the same amount of completions that Troy Pride gave up in 2018 and only two more completions than what Julian Love gave up in 2018. Now, part of that is the system. Like they gave up a lot of five yard hitches because the nature of the defense, they were just, that was the kind of their no cover zone, right? So that, that inflates the numbers and the percent, the percentage a little bit for context, different style of play. You're not giving up as many of those throws in a, in a cover one defense, but it still speaks volumes. I, I had somebody asking me the other day, they were asking me about their all American lists and, and, and why, you know, did I, did I think Benjamin Morrison deserved to be on it over, you know, 
Will Johnson, for example, and some other players. And so I, I gave some numbers and, and, and I, and I said this, uh, here, here's the, here's the breakdown of it. Cause I, I don't think people realize just how good Benjamin Morrison and, and, and Cam Hart were last year in context, but last year, Benjamin Morrison gave up 43.1 completion percentage and 296 passing yards. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who was excellent, by the way, gave up 37 completions, 352 yards, and 46.3%. Uh, Kalen King gave up 27 completions, 45.8%, and 343 yards last season. Uh, Will Johnson gave up 28 completions, 56.0% completion rate, and 353 Receiving yards allowed, two touchdowns. Uh, Cooper DeJean gave up 37 completions, 51.4% completion percentage, and 422 yards. And then here's the other one against Ohio State. Benjamin Morrison gave up three targets, one completion for 12 yards. Will Johnson, they went six for six against Will Johnson for 67 yards. They went three for eight against Cooper DeJean for 118 yards. Right? Like that's who these this receiving core is going against every day. So yeah, I expect that to be a little bit of a bumpy road. So uh and, and honestly, sometimes that stuff to me, Katie, it it makes you tougher. Or you find out who who is tough and who isn't. Who's mentally tough or who's not? Who's the guy that lets get J- lets Jaden Mickey get in his head? Who's the guy that just quits on routes when Benjamin Morrison's all over him or Cam Hart's all over him? And who battles? Who's my competitors? Who's the guys I'm gonna go to battle with? I think you can learn a lot about your receivers that you just can't learn if you're going against just some okay guys that you kind of beat up and practice a little bit, but they're just not as good as what you're going to see on a lot of Saturdays. That's my that's my two cents on it, Ryan. I, I'm sorry. I've been spending the last like two minutes trying to rack my brain of which quarterback tandems probably gave up less than 50% each and uh, thinking like – Penn State yeah, might be the Kayla only other King, one. Joey, yeah, and Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, maybe. let me let me see what maybe Joey the TCU Porter was. Duo TCU. Uh, I'll pull them up in a second. Previous Hodges Tomlinson maybe. and Josh Newton, maybe. Yeah, let me see the target. So Joey Porter was at fifty percent last year. So okay. they were at fifty, and then forty-five point eight. So Cam was at fifty. Joey Porter was at fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalen King was at forty-five point eight. Benjamin was in the forty-threes. So just to give you some context that even that group, Notre Dame was still better than, but they were also one. I'm going to pull up TCU next. It was hot. It was, um, yeah. So Tomlinson held opponents to 40, 34.6, but he, he was targeted 81 times. He had two, gave up two touchdowns and had three picks. Who was the other one? Josh Newton was the other corner. Josh Newton. He was at 35.3. So that was a pretty good one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I got a feeling like looking at the numbers, here i have a feeling there's some um some interesting analysis going on here as far as completions compared to because like the targets the number of targets are a little bit interesting but that's a good number there aren't many there aren't many michigan's wasn't that way ohio state's wasn't that way um, you know that way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that that's an, that's who they're going against this year and and by the way i don't tomlinson's not back He's gone. gone. Right. So that's the other part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Alabama did not because McKinstry was at 46, but Terry and Arnold was at 53.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.